Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Uh, during this year, I've been sharing a series called Thrive. Everyone say Thrive. Thrive. You know, our prayer is that we wouldn't just survive another year, but we would thrive. And obviously spring has that beautiful sense of thriving. Got that coming up on the PowerPoint now. Thriving and fruitful and just that sense of joy in our lives, despite the the, the normal challenges that come our way. And so that's a series I've been doing. And we've been looking at the fact that life is kind of like an ecosystem. Onto our next slide, uh, it has many different parts and aspects that affect the whole, and the whole also impacts the parts. And so we started with you and God. That's really foundational for thriving. We then looked at uh, you and your calling, uh, you and yourself, getting on with yourself. Uh, today, we're going to look at you and, you and people. And then a little later in the year, we'll talk about you and your work or your sense of contribution. And so all of these aspects are really, really important. So today, next slide, we're going to talk about you and people. You know, Jesus kind of summarized all of the hundreds of commandments from the Old Testament by saying it's kind of two things, love God and love people. He had this gift of making things simple. Uh, of course, loving God's pretty easy. How many are loving people? Not always as easy. Come on, don't look at me so spiritual this morning. Yeah, you know, loving people. Uh, years ago, I read a book. I love the title, John Ortberg. And the, the, the book title was Everyone's Normal Until You Get to Know Them. <laughs> don't, don't, don't you love that? Everyone's normal until you get to know them. I mean, come on, getting on with people's not always that easy. Have you ever been shopping and seen a, a bunch of products on sale and it just says as is? How many know when you see an as is, don't expect it to be perfect. Something's not working, something's missing, something's broken, it's as is. You know, you need to, on everyone in your life that you relate to, just see an as is sign on them. And guess what? You need one on you too. We all kind of come as is. <laughs> you know, if you just kind of lower or right size your expectations to realize no one's perfect, we've all got our little bit of dysfunction, our unique idiosyncrasies, our kind of irritable little habits. We're all a little bit as is. As soon as you realize that, life gets a lot easier. Uh, anyone read the book of Genesis lately and just looked at the families there? Let me just give you a, a, quick, a quick summary of the families in Genesis. Here you go. Cain, first, first boy, murdered his brother Abel in an angry fit of rage. Noah was the most righteous man on earth. He got drunk. Lot offered his virgin daughters to the men of Sodom. Later, his daughters got their father drunk and impregnated by him. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob played favorites with their kids, causing all kinds of family problems. Reuben slept with his father's concubine. Look that up if you're not sure. Judah slept with his daughter-in-law, who was disguised as a prostitute. This is in your Bible. Some of you look a little offended. And guess what? This is the godly line. Come on, none of these people were normal. In fact, it reads like a script from Days of Our Lives, doesn't it? It's like these people need a therapist. Some of you are feeling better about your family already, aren't you? But these people weren't normal. They all had issues, but God amazingly worked through them. And so just adjusting our expectations, getting on with people sounds easy. Uh, not always that easy. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, Jesus gave us 
something called the golden rule. Coming up on the next slide, I love this. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 12, I read this together. So in, ready, one, two, three. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. What's Jesus saying? Think about how you like to be treated. And then grab the initiative and you treat people that way. What a different world it would be if we all just thought about, how do I like to be treated? How do I like not to be treated? And to then proactively treat people in that way. What a difference all of our relationships would have if we just simply followed this golden rule. Getting on with people, so really, really important to thriving in life and ministry. In fact, uh, there's a guy called Daniel Goleman. He's done a lot of research on the workplace. And uh, his research has revealed that in the workplace, there are three things that help you do well at work. On to the next slide. There's IQ, uh, intelligent quotient, your, your intelligence, knowing things, uh, knowledge. Uh, secondly, there's technical skill, your ability to put a spreadsheet together or uh, put in a garden bed or whatever it may be. There's technical skill. And then thirdly, there's something called emotional intelligence, EQ, emotional quotient, which is your ability to get along with all kinds of people as is. Uh, it also includes your uh, ability to control your moods around people. And you know what his research reveals? That emotional intelligence is twice as important as the other areas in doing well at work. How many would agree? If you ever go to a, a shop or, or a, a bank teller, you don't care what scores they got on their grades in school. You don't care how technically skillful they are. How many of you care about how they treat you? And this is what Daniel's saying. He's saying, look, your ability to get on with people is twice as important as everything else. And that includes controlling your moods. Um, I'll give you a little example. Uh, uh, maybe you're on your computer at work and you get an email and it annoys you and you're really angry. And then someone knocks at the door and you go, what? How many know you've just taken this anger and spread it on someone who has nothing to do with that? Not very emotionally intelligent. I know this is really deep for Sunday, but this is helping you. An emotionally intelligent person will get the email. They'll feel angry, but when someone knocks at the door, they'll go, yes, can I help you? They will quarantine that emotion and not spread it on someone else who has nothing to do with it. Very simple, but Daniel's saying your ability to get on with people, it's more important than how smart you are. It's more important than how skillful you are. Uh, and no, no wonder Jesus said, think about how you want to be treated. On to the next slide. Back in uh, June 2018, five years ago, uh, I actually did a two-part series, and we looked at Jesus and his relational skills. You know, Jesus didn't just come to die on the cross. He came to show us how to live, didn't he? And if you read the Gospels and just look at how he treated people, we came up with seven relating skills. And I don't want to repeat those messages. You can get online and have a listen to that podcast. But just a quick review of Jesus' relational skills as we start today, I thought would be helpful. First of all, Jesus had this amazing ability to accept people as is. You know, I think if we're honest, uh, we all have a bit of a rating scale in our head when it comes to people, one to 10. 
And, you know, if this morning you see someone who you haven't seen for a while and in your mind they're like a 9 out of 10, you're going to go, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. If you see someone this morning that's maybe a 4 on your rating scale, it's, hey, how's it going? If you see someone who's a minus 2, you walk the other way. <laughs> we treat people based on the value we place on them. Someone just saw a comment. We, we, we go in footy, are we? No. Here's the amazing thing about Jesus. Jesus put a 10 on everybody. Everybody. One day there were kids running up to Jesus and the big disciple says, get those kids out of here. We've got ministry to do. Disciples didn't value kids. Jesus rebuked them and said, let the kids come. See, Jesus puts a 10 on every child. Another day, there's this blind man interrupting the meeting. Jesus, son of David. What the disciples do? Be quiet. We've got ministry to do. Jesus rebukes them and says, hey, let that person on the margins come in. See, Jesus puts a 10 on everybody. One day, Jesus is coming into Jericho, Luke 19, and a big crowd. And there's a guy in Jericho named Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus. And he was one of the most hated men in town because he was a tax collector. And a tax collector was a Jewish person who went to work with the, for the Roman government, extracting taxes from his own people and getting rich in the process. Everyone hated tax collectors. And so Jesus comes in town. There's crowds everywhere. Zacchaeus climbs up a tree. And what does Jesus do? He goes, hey, Zacchaeus, let's do lunch today. Can you hear the rumors? Like, does he know who Zacchaeus is? Why isn't he doing lunch with me? Anyway, during the lunch, you know the story. No organ playing. Somewhere in the middle of lunch, Zacchaeus stands up and says, Today, I'm giving half of my goods to the poor. And anyone I've ripped off, how many know that means he's ripped off people? I'm going to pay back four times. And Jesus says, Salvation has come to this house. Question, did, did Zacchaeus change and then Jesus had lunch with him? No, no, no. See, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, their attitude was when you get your life together, then you can come and hang with us. Jesus had this ability to just accept people as is, and that acceptance dramatically affected the people in his world. I wonder what would happen this week if we just simply change the price tag, the value, and all the people we're going to connect with and just see them as a 10 and treat them that way. What a difference. My last church, I was in the foyer afterwards and uh, meeting some people. There's a new guy came up and his opening line was, Hi, I'm so-and-so. I used to be a Muslim. I'm now an atheist, but I enjoyed your talk today. I smiled. I said, Great to meet you. Muslims and atheists are welcome at our church. Anyway, about uh, six weeks later, I was in the foyer again, and I saw him had a big smile on his face. He says, hey, I'm a Christian now. I says, great, Christians are welcome in our church. <laughs> Something powerful when you just accept people, where they are on their journey as is. Jesus modeled this. He mastered this, and it, it's a great relational skill. Secondly is to listen. You know, Jesus had so much to say, but you've ever noticed he's always asking questions? Even the blind man comes up to him and he doesn't assume. He goes, what could I do for you? Disciples, who are people saying that I am? How I many you know Jesus hasn't forgotten his name? Who was I again? 
oh, who do you think I am? You know, a, a question draws people out. And one of the greatest gifts you can give people is to listen to them. It's been said we have two ears and one mouth, so we'd listen twice as much as we speak. Imagine if we had two mouths and one ear. We could sing a duet with ourselves. But no, no, no. Two ears. The mind boggles, right? Two ears and one mouth, so, so we could listen. Listening is, a, is another great relational skill that Jesus models. Uh, thirdly, be empathetic. Empathy is to put yourself in the other person's shoes and to see life from their perspective. great example is the woman at the well. She's been married five times, divorced five times, now living with a guy. He's this woman with trail of broken relationships, and she still hasn't found what she's looking for. Jesus doesn't judge her or shame her as is. He, he reaches deep inside of her soul. And he understands her longings and brokenness. Empathy, uh, being authentic, <laughs> being open, being real. Uh, Jesus modeled this. Garden of Gethsemane, he's got his three best friends there, Peter, James, and John. He says, hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed. This is Jesus. You think he would have said, hey, guys, it's going to get a little tough. But don't worry. I'm going to kick the devil's butt. Be back in three days. It's all good. No, he says, I'm feeling overwhelmed. You know, the degree of openness determines the degree of closeness in any relationship. It being authentic, taking the mask off in safe environments. Uh, forgiving. Jesus modeled forgiveness. Uh, we're going to talk about confronting. And Jesus was a great encourager. And so again, some great, great things we can learn from Jesus about getting on with people. And you might want to check out those podcasts. I thought just for today, I want to pick three areas that I've discovered are the hardest things to deal with in relating with people. Three C's, criticism, conflict, and confrontation. I do a lot of training with pastors and leaders, and I've discovered they're the most difficult things. Handling criticism, dealing with conflict, and learning to confront lovingly. And we're going to master that in the next 20 minutes. <laughs> just kidding. Let's take a few moments on all three of those and just see whether there might be something the Holy Spirit speaks to us today. Firstly, handling criticism. Anyone never been criticized? If you've not been criticized, you need to get out a little bit more. You just do life and... Criticism happens. No one here is indifferent to criticism, and criticism can actually help you grow and mature. It can be something really damaging that can affect us negatively. If, if you're a leader uh, in church or in the workplace or in community, then you're probably more subject to criticism than other people. You know, even good people get criticized. Anyone heard of Jesus? He was criticized. People said, ah, he's a glutton. Others said, ah, oh, he's a drunkard, drinking a little bit much. Others said, ah, oh, he's a friend of sinners. Jesus was criticized. And so if you're being criticized at the moment, you're in good company. In fact, Jesus says it's inevitable that offenses will come. Uh, stuff happens. The question today is not, will you be criticized? The question is, how will you handle criticism when it comes your way? Just a couple of tips, a couple of tips. Um, it's not a masterclass, just a few thoughts. Um, firstly, be open to feedback. Um, we all have blind spots. We all have things we don't 
see about ourselves. And so when criticism comes, you always want to ask, is, is there an element of truth there? Uh, my theory is I have weaknesses, and the sooner I know about them, the sooner I can fix them. So if someone's critical to me, I, I first want to go, hey, is something happening? You know, if, if my zip is down today, don't laugh at me, tell me. It's okay, I already checked. We all have weaknesses, and so we need, we need to be open to feedback. And so anytime criticism comes, uh, just, just say, hey, is there, is there something here that I, I'm not seeing that I need to learn? Uh, secondly, discern between constructive criticism and destructive criticism. Although I heard once, someone once say, constructive criticism is when I criticize you. Destructive criticism is when you criticize me. <laughs> No, nothing about that. But, but just, just kind of discern, look beyond the words and look into the motives. And, you know, is this something that someone's trying to attack me, destroy me? Or is there something constructive in this criticism? Uh, you know, how many people are saying this? Look beyond the critic and see, is there a crowd? Is this something that's being confirmed? What spirit is it being given? Uh, why is the criticism coming? Is it for my benefit or is it to hurt me? How many have discovered hurt people tend to hurt people? Sometimes the criticism says more about the critic than you. Sometimes when people are hurt, they, they pass that hurt on. And so discern between what's constructive and what's destructive. Consider who is giving the criticism. Look beyond the criticism to the critic. Who said it is often more important than what was said. Is this a wise person that you can learn from? Is this someone that's regularly critical? Um, is this someone who sincerely wants to help you or are they just trying to attack you? Um, my wife, Nicole, years ago, uh, underwent a whole bunch of criticism in the, in the social media area over some things that she had said publicly and the stance she'd taken. And so there was all this kind of criticism coming in and attack. And in fact, uh, one person that we know didn't talk to us, wrote two newsletters about us. And there was all this criticism going on. And uh, my wife, Nicole, was actually feeling a lot of anxiety about all of this. And um, she was talking to a counsellor and the counsellor said, look, these people aren't your friends. They, they, they will never be your friend. And then he goes, don't dexify. That's a really good word. Anyone heard of dexify? Check it out. Dexification is this need to answer everybody who criticizes you. He says, don't dexify. You know, sometimes when there's just criticism going on and it's people that don't even know you and people are just bullying you, sometimes it's better just to ignore it. Because if you don't, you just add fuel to the flame and it just goes on and on. Just, 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 just ignore it. Don't dexify. That might be a word for some of you here today. And she did that. You know, again, if it's a friend, if it's an associate, then you want to sit and listen. But if it's just people having a go at you, just, 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 just let it go. Don't feel like you need to answer everyone who criticizes you. Uh, understand you won't please everybody. Uh, that's, that's just the way life is. Uh, be clear about who you are and where you're going. Again, I, talked, I mentioned I talked to a lot of pastors and um, pastors often uh, experience some kind of criticism, you know. Uh, the music was too loud or it's too soft or the lights are too bright or they're too dark. Or sermon's too long, it's too short. Sermon's too deep, it's too shallow, too many jokes, not enough scripture. Not, not in Bayside, but in other churches, these kinds of things happen, you know. 
it just never pleases everybody all the time. And so I often say to pastors, you, you need a bus message. You know, my theory is there's lots of churches in Melbourne. There's lots of buses in Melbourne. And the key thing with the bus is you need a sign on the front. And the sign says where we're going. And, and I tell pastors, just be clear about who you are and where you're going. And, uh, you know, if, if you want to go to Frankston, don't get on a bus going to Geelong talking about Frankston being a hole and how we should all be going to Geelong. Get on a bus that's going where you want to go. Yes, and I tell pastors, in fact, I, when I was a pastor, I said, I'd rather people on the bus excited about where we're going than on the bus saying we should be going there and I don't like where we're going. Thank you. Got to be clear about who you are and where you're going, and, and you're not going to please everybody all the time. Uh, give, give things time. You know, time proves a lot of things, and hopefully keep a good sense of humor and endeavor to keep a good attitude. Handling criticism, never, never easy. Uh, not a, 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 actually a very difficult thing to, to, to cope with, but something that we can grow from if we, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, just discern uh, what, what actually is going on there. A second challenge relationally is resolving conflict. Um, you know, I, I reckon probably the, in people skills, probably one of the things we lose sleep over the most is unresolved conflict. And conflict, again, like criticism, is inevitable. And uh, dealing with conflict is not easy. It can be very, very difficult. Uh, have you discovered unresolved conflicts don't fix themselves? In fact, usually they get worse if you don't address them. And so learning to resolve conflict is a really important skill. You might have um, heard before that we all have different styles of responding and handling conflict, some of it influenced by our family of origin. Um, some people, it's been said, are like teddy bears. Uh, teddy bears just want to keep the relationship. They'll give up on their goal just to keep the peace. And maybe you're a little bit more of a teddy bear when it comes to conflict. Other people are like turtles. Turtles pull their head in. They don't like any conflict. They'll give up on the relationship and their goals. They just want the dust to settle. Maybe you're a little bit more of a turtle when it comes to conflict. Other people are like sharks. They like a good argument. And they'll go in and they'll let it rip. And sometimes they leave a bit of blood on the floor, even though they'll often get their way frequently. Some people are a bit more shark-like. And then we have the owl. The owl is a wise animal that tries to keep the relationship and achieve their goal and tries to balance those things out. We've all got a bit of a blend of, of those different styles. And we all have a fallback style, which means that if we're pushed into a corner, we can morph into another animal. You ever seen a teddy bear that you push a bit hard, so hard suddenly morph into a shark? You go, know, where did that come from? Well, you push them just a little bit far. Or you ever see a shark who doesn't get their way go and sulk in the corner and become a turtle? Come on, some of you are seeing people's faces as I'm talking. Just out of interest, how many teddy bears do we have in the room today? Where's all the teddy bears? Don't even want you to put your hand up, yeah? That's okay. Any turtles? Okay. Man, any sharks? And the rest of you are wise owls, right? Wise owls, yeah. Figured that would be the way. It's good, good lunchtime conversation, actually. What's your style? There's a fifth animal called the fox. The fox is very sly, and the fox is the situational conflict manager. 
and realizes that not every conflict needs the same response. Sometimes just be the teddy bear. It's not a big deal. Just maintain the relationship. Sometimes be the turtle. Just walk out of the room, let the dust settle, let the intensity kind of die down. Sometimes you need to be a little shark-like. It's a big difference between being aggressive and assertive. And sometimes it's okay to go, you know what? I actually didn't like that. Sometimes we need to be a little shark-like, and sometimes we'd be a bit more like the wise owl. So think about your style. Um, it can help you in conflict. I, I've also learned another thing in conflict is to realize that none of us see perfectly in any situation. In fact, where you stand determines what you see. A little illustration, just, just on the next slide here. Um, Here's a vase. <clears throat> this was quite insightful. I heard it years ago. Imagine we've got a vase and there's a group of people sitting around the vase. Uh, three observations. Number one, no one sees it the same. If, if, if each person drew the vase, it would look differently. No one sees it the same. Number two, no one sees it accurately. There's parts of the vase you cannot see. Even if you have a PhD, even if you're brilliant like you are, there's parts of the vase you cannot see. Thirdly, the only way to see the vase accurately is to listen to everyone's perspective. Now, that is reality in life. Take the vase out of the middle and put something else in the middle, a conflict, an issue, a policy, a debate. Those three things are true. We all see it differently. None of us see it accurately. And only as we listen to everyone's perspective do we learn and see profoundly what's actually happening. I found in every conflict, if you think you see it accurately, then you'll go into that and you're there to tell people why they're wrong. But if we realize this stuff that I don't see, then we begin to learn. See, anger gets us in trouble, but pride keeps us there. And it's learning to realize that, hey, I don't see this accurately, and maybe I need to listen to someone else's perspective on the situation. I've also found in conflict that if you value the issue more than the relationship, you're probably not going to be good at resolving conflict. If you want to be right more than you want to be reconciled, you'll also struggle resolving conflict. You know, when my boys were little, they would sometimes fight. As a father, when I come in the room, you know what my heart is? Stop fighting! You're brothers! Now, who hit who? Who took what? The issues are secondary to me as a father than the relationship. And I think when God looks at us as his family, <laughs> he's going, stop fighting! Restore the relationship. Now, let's talk about the issues. The issues are important, but if we raise them above the relationship, we'll rarely be reconciled to one another. In any conflict, there's usually wrongs on both sides. And I've found it's good to focus on your contribution, not the other person. How many know in most conflicts, the other person's 90% wrong and we're about 10% wrong? That's a normal ratio, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's so easy when it's done to, to look at their 90%. And, well, they, they, they you. And, you know, um, you know, when I was a young leader, I might have told this story before, but um, confession time. Uh, as a young leader, we'd, um, we'd trained this prayer team for ministry and we'd had weeks of training. And uh, at the end of a, a meeting, we said, hey, today we've got our prayer team coming forward. And as we sing a final song, if you'd like some ministry, come on forward. Our prayer team's here ready to pray. 
It was a guy in our church at the time, and he was a bit of a maverick. Anyone know what a maverick is? He hadn't come to the prayer team training, but as the prayer team came forward and was singing a final song, he came down and started praying for people. I was so annoyed. I went off the stage, fully anointed, and I gave him a piece of my mind, and I said, you weren't in the, in the ministry team training. You shouldn't be out here praying for people. And I basically told him to go back to his seat. And then I got up on stage, hallelujah. And we worshipped, and we had a great meeting. And Anyway, I went home, and I told Nicole, guess what so-and-so did today? You know, they came forward. I was right. Right? Not feeling a lot of support today. You know what? I, I, I actually got on the phone. I called him up and said, hey, it's Mark Connor. You could hear the silence. And I said, I just wanted to apologize for how I reacted today. I, I overreacted. I spoke a little bit harshly to you. And, and I shouldn't have done that in public in front of other people. Would you forgive me? You kind of feel a pause on the, on the phone and, he said, sure, and, and then he actually apologized. You know, it, it's amazing when you just take responsibility for your 10%, a soft, a soft answer turns away anger. As I said, anger gets us in trouble, pride keeps us there. And, and so just don't just focus on the other person, focus on what you may have contributed and just learning to say things like, I was sorry, I'm wrong, would you forgive me? is so important. And, you know, not all conflicts are resolved, and, and it is one thing to forgive someone. It's another thing to be reconciled with someone. Sometimes we're not reconciled, but we can be forgiving of that person. On to the next slide, Paul says, if it is possible, which means it's not always, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I love that. One final point, and we better wrap this up because lunch is coming. Uh, thirdly is loving confrontation. Uh, that doesn't mean you love confrontation. If you love confrontation, that's another problem. Uh, I'm talking about confronting in love. Uh, you know, Paul said, let's learn to speak the truth in love. I've found some people are so loving they never speak the truth. Other people are good at speaking the truth, but not, not very lovingly. So that's the challenge to balance courage with consideration, truth with love. Um, confrontation, again, is not easy. It's difficult. Um, but there's sometimes where we actually need to talk about stuff and we need to bring things to the surface. Uh, I think most of us dislike this because no one likes to be disliked. We don't want to make things worse. Uh, it's not always easy to share our feelings. But you know what? Uh, I've found in most situations when you have the courage to raise things with consideration, often the relationship actually improves. And you wish you would have raised the issue maybe even a little earlier. When we confront someone, our goal is a better relationship. It's not just to kind of get our thoughts out or to, um, you know, just to be right, but it's to improve the relationship. It's so not, not to win an argument. I found it's important to deal, things, deal with things quickly. Uh, Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. So it's okay to be angry. It's what we do with those emotions. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, lest you give the devil a foothold. How many know the sun goes down about every 24 hours? What Paul's, is, Paul's saying is when there's an issue, don't just let it fester on weeks and months. 
you know, it, as, as quickly as possible when the emotions have died down, uh, it's important that we have that conversation with the right spirit, being clear about exactly what's happening and what's going on, thinking about the time and the place with, with this man. I, I mean, that wasn't the time or the place for me to speak to him about that. I did that in public. Uh, it, 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 it was just done poorly and therefore uh, resulted in an unresolved conflict. And so just want to encourage you, don't just let things uh, fester or go underground, but do your best to, to raise the issue, to talk about it with people. Um, some of the mistakes we make, uh, my dad used to say, most Christians have strong leg muscles because we're always jumping to conclusions. You don't want to confront unless you've got all the facts. You know, sometimes we, we overreact. We, we've got one little piece and we, we jump in there. We don't have the whole story. Uh, don't confront while you're angry. Uh, don't, don't, don't forget to take time to hear the other person's side of the story. Uh, so really, really important that we uh, do our best to, to raise issues, to talk about them with humility and realise we may not have the whole story and through that process aim to improve the relationship. So as we wrap it up today, how's your EQ, emotional quotient? Uh, people skills are essential for life. How's your emotional intelligence going? Uh, is there one of those three C's today that was particularly relevant? Uh, are you facing some criticism right now? That can be really, really difficult. Does it need responding to, addressing, discerning, or is it time just to not dexify and just give it some time? Uh, I, I, are you in some conflict now that may need some, some attention? Uh, is there some confrontation that needs to happen? Maybe one of those was relevant to you today. And then and finally, which relationship in your life right now needs the most attention? Uh, in some ways, relationships are like bank accounts. We make deposits and we make withdrawals. How many know a conflict is a big withdrawal? <laughs> and if you haven't made many deposits, how many know you make one more withdrawal and things bounce? So... Every relationship is like a bank account. And so I wonder which bank account right now is either in the red or really low and needs a few deposits of listening, of, of acceptance, of, of empathy. Uh, what, what relationships need, which relationship needs the most attention right now? Um, you know, we can be a thermometer or a thermostat. A thermometer is a reactive instrument. If the room's warm, thermometer goes up. If the room's cold, thermometer goes down. A thermostat is a proactive instrument that influences the environment. If the room's cool, thermostat, you can turn it up and things warm up. <laughs> if it's too hot, you can turn it down and things cool down. You, you know, you can go into a heated situation and you can help cool things down. You can come into a cool or icy situation and you can warm things up. Don't be a reactive person. Be a proactive person. Which relationship in your life right now needs the most attention? And so as you think about that, let me pray for you today. God, we've covered a lot today, but if we're going to thrive in life and ministry, then us and people is so important. It's not easy. We all come as is. And thank you for Jesus, who's such an incredible model for us today of how to relate to people, help all of us grow in our emotional intelligence. I pray for those that may be dealing with some criticism today, in the room, watching online. Uh, 
every one of us know what it is to be criticized. It can be very hurtful, very harmful. Help us to discern uh, whether there's some truth in that, who's saying it, how best we can respond. For those that are uh, maybe in the midst of a conflict now, I pray for your grace and your wisdom and your courage to navigate that with love. And for those that maybe need to have a, a confronting conversation, never difficult, but I pray that they would have the courage and consideration to do that well. And Lord, for that one relationship, maybe that just is a bit low in its bank balance right now. Lord, may we be proactive. May we make some deposits this week of love, acceptance, encouragement. And I pray for all of our relationships that they would thrive as we endeavor to live by your spirit. I pray a blessing on everyone here today, those watching online, uh, all of our relationships. Help us today, and we'll be sure to give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.